So maybe thrice, perhaps thrice, but I believe twice in 30 years. Yes, now it's 30. This is year 30 of preaching the gospel. I have done what I'm going to do today. I'm going to re-preach the same passage I preached one week ago. 100%. I'm going to re-preach, not the same sermon, I'm going to re-preach the passage. The first time I did it uh, was at a, a ministry called Rhythm where I was preaching every week, and I preached a sermon on, on the third chapter of uh, the book of Revelation on the church at Laodicea in the hot, cold, and lukewarm. The guy named Joe, Joe Hines, came to me the next day, open-hearted. Hey, man, can we talk through that? Of course. Awesome. You said this, 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 this. Yep. But this, 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 this. Yep. But Jesus, this, 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 this. Yep. So it was good. Yep. But this, 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 and this, 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 totally different from this, also in line with Jesus, also good. Yep. I'm going to preach that next Thursday. Listen, talk, converse, learn, both in line with who Jesus is, what he teaches and who he was, so I did it. Last week, I preached a message based on, right, based on what we'd been going through, right? In the context of Luke, in the context of Jesus preaching the Beatitudes, the woes to you, the backwards and forwards, in the context of, right, the idea that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, right? The kingdom-minded approach is completely opposite of what our nature is built for, and only through Christ, and we're going to come back to that verse again, because even doing what we're going to do today, it's going to ask even more of us, which is awesome, but also heavy. As we move through that, the context of what I'm about to read, we preached on, right? Wednesday night, Jamie and I are discussing life things. That's, a, that, that's what's what we're doing, life things. And we were tormented through the process um, that goes on all across the world, when you, when you are a giver, right? When you are somebody who wants to do for others, right? Um, sometimes you get a little bit taken from you, and then all, 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 there's a little bit more. And then before you get out, there's a little bit more, right? Right? I will give you 10 minutes of my time. And seven and a half hours later, you didn't give, you got stolen from, right? And it's hard to discern. And she made this statement. She said, Years ago, I heard this preacher talk about turn the other cheek from a different context. I wish you had seen it. And I said, I, I, I know where that came from. I know where that came from. And I told her right there, I think, I, I think I may do something Sunday I've not done in years. And it's going, it is also going to provide for us a beautiful transition from where we were in, 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 in the Beatitudes and the Woes and the teaching of Jesus and loving your enemies and treating others as you want to be treated and turning the other cheek, which is where we're going, and judgment. Because here's the problem with judgment. If I say, judge lest not ye be judged, how do you deal with the splinter in your own eye, uh, in my eye when there's a plank in yours, all right? We would all nod and go, hey, yes, Jesus is not 
uh, uh, wanting us to judge one another. He's the only one that can judge. We would all nod at that, right, Tooth? But there is no context in which we are helpfully taught to deal with the people that we try to love and, and, and hold accountable, but call us judgmental. That's our bigger issue, right? So getting into that was going to be hard. Well, this is going to help us platform into that. So it's actually going to be a beautiful transition from where we were to where we are to where we're going to be. And this is one of those fun ones because it's likely that I'm going to share something with you about a passage you've always heard that you've absolutely never heard before. I want to teach you something also very new. You have to be very careful, very careful about who you let speak into your life especially because you can get videos, you can get audios, you can get podcasts, and it's all out there, all right? And there are incredible people out there who teach wonderful teachings that aren't biblical. There are incredible people out there who teach some wonderful things and some things that are not. I'm going to say something right now. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot throw the baby out with the bathwater. That is unwise. But the earlier you are in your faith and in your Christianity, the less power you have developed to be able to discern the good from the bad. To be able to read a book that everyone thinks is amazing and feel uplifted by it and not recognize the two or three very false things in there, right? You need someone to speak that into you. So you go flailing around this awesome and amazing book, and this happens all the time, and it's like, yeah except it's not biblical. And now your pride's hurt because you've opened your mouth, but you didn't know because it made you feel good, but feeling good is not always what Jesus does, right? All right, so we're going to, we're going to take a look at all of that in the context of a very popular scripture that I preached on last week, but it's totally different. So I'm excited, and I'm going to tell you now why I told you what I just told you. I, 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 it was Rob Bell who taught this message years ago. And I'm going to tell you something. For four or five years, it was Rob Bell, and then Matt Chandler, and then Andy Stanley, and then the guys out at Flatirons. That was kind of the course of my growth, all right? And, and sometimes we take wrong turns, all right? I am not here to bash or to not bash, defend or not defend that man. I am telling you that there is a real richness in, in the ideas and in the history that I learned that I am now able to discern, pull the truth from, and pass on to you. You ready to take a ride? Let's roll. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. You who are listening, okay? Gardens tilled up, ready to go. Springtime, all right? Heart gardens. Love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. This is not the ways of the world. This is the ways of the kingdom of God, all right? Bless those who curse you. Huh. Pray for those who mistreat you, okay? Jesus, this all sounds really good. It is holy. When we sing this is nice, but doing this at McDonald's, doing this on Facebook, doing this at work is not possible. Oh, if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other. You want me to, huh? If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt. Now, should be stated, this actually says, if someone takes your cloak, do not withhold your tunic. Paul, you're not wearing tunics today, yes? No tunics? All right, good, 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 good. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do unto others as you would have them do 
unto you. Now, in the other version of this, there is actually a third story. If you are asked to carry, the, the, if a soldier calls upon you to carry his pack for one mile, carry it for him two. Okay? That is a left out here that we're going to want to look at also because Christ actually requests two things in, in Luke, but three things in the other Gospels, all right, that all make for an interesting treasure trove of stories, all right? And then he says, give to what is asked of you. If anyone takes what belongs of you, do not demand it back. And then we get to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The first thing I want to say is you can never, you can never take the focus off of grace. I want you to hear that. You can never, as a believer in Jesus Christ, turn off the fountain of grace. Even if you choose to say, I can no longer spend time with you. Even if you separate yourself from a toxic relationship. Even if you do not allow yourself to be beaten down, you can never turn off the faucet of grace because Christ never turns it off on you. Do you understand that that is an underlying truth here? Now, I'm going to choose to be with this guy named Jesus. I'm going to choose to do what he asks me to do. And what he is asking me to do is everybody who hates me, I'm going to love them. People who treat me bad, I'm going to treat them good. If they curse me, I'm going to lovingly bless them, not say bless your heart, totally different thing in the South, all right? If they mistreat me, I am going to treat them like I would treat my son or my daughter and love them deeply. If they slap me, I'm supposed to, to allow it to happen again. If they steal from me, I'm supposed to hand them more. All right, have I joined the Southern Baptist Church of the Spineless? All right, did I just sign up for Pacifist Presbyterian? When you grew up, you didn't know what those words were. But when you read this passage, that is what you believed. And you have been conflicted about it ever since. Because what the world does now is they slap and you turn the other cheek and they slap again and you have to ask if you're supposed to turn the other cheek and you do and they slap again and you end up looking like you're in the Three Stooges. But there's nothing here that tells us when to quit. Because grace... So, we have no definable moment when the abused wife stops turning the cheek. We have no definable moment when the abused child decides that it's time to tell someone. So, is Jesus a pacifist, or is there some way for me to understand that? There is. If you lose the high church pride and listen to who Jesus was speaking to, what he chose to say, and why he chose those three things to say them. Because here is the problem with being a Christian. If Jesus calls you to turn the other cheek, and you continue to turn the other cheek, your body, your soul, and your spirit are beaten down by the world around you. And you cry out to God to help, but it's a constant struggle of crying out and being beaten. If you react the way you want to react when the punch comes and you throw one yourself, you are now a part of the problem. 
You have been sinned against and have sinned in return. The choices that we have are passivity or revenge, and neither fall in line with Jesus. So what do we do? What if it's not just two choices? What if as we got to know him, and as we dived into his wisdom, and as we used the Jesus within us, if we are connected to the vine, and he is actually flowing through us, as all of these passages have told us we would need to do, because he is asking too much of us, and he knows he is, because he is not saying, I will leave you alone. He is saying, I have given you a spirit of fear. He is saying, I am sending you a counselor. He is saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. He had the authority that he gave to us at the end of Matthew. He handed us the same authority in Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at what that authority is as opposed to an authority that is taken away, and we're going to see it play out in the stories he said. Let's start with the first one. Turn the other cheek. Steve, I need your help. I need your help. You've got to come up here, though, because of the camera. All right, I want to show you something, right? In the old days, I am not going to hit you, I promise. Okay. All right. In the old days, stay, stay, stay a little bit further apart just so we don't make anybody mad with the... All right, yeah, 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 yeah. I'd hug you, but it wouldn't look good on camera. All right, for a lot of reasons. Um, so turn the other cheek. The idea here is, I, I told you last week, uh, uh, you know, ran all the way even through to Shakespeare and stuff like that. When you were to slap someone open-handed, it is a horrific insult, all right? But in the Old Testament and all the way up through the, the, the Greek and the Roman culture, all right, slapping someone open-handed was a symbol of your authority over them, okay? So if you slap someone with an open hand, it symbolizes your authority over them, and it also symbolizes you should be humbled before them, all right? It is the essence or symbolic bullying, right? That's what this is. It is the symbolic notion of the idea of bullying. So if you are slapped, the idea is you turn the other cheek and let them slap you again. But I want you to think about what Jesus actually did. Watch. If I were to slap him open-handed, all right, because there's something that you don't know. If I slap him open-handed, what happens to your face? It goes, stay right there for just a minute. It goes right there, all right? Now, I can open-handedly continue to slap him, right, if he doesn't obey. Stay there. If you approach someone face-to-face -face and they were your equal, it was like two people in a duel. You don't bring a knife to a gun battle. If you fought someone knuckle-to-knuckle, -knuckle, they were your equal, right? Watch this. Turn your head all the way the other direction. I can't slap his cheek open-handed. I have to come at him in order to give the cheek he's offering, I have to come at him. He says, turn to him your other, knuckled. Here's what has happened. You, yes, have given them the authority to strike, but you have also said, you will strike me as my equal. So the person now has a choice. Thank you. Continue, continue to beat you down without having the same symbolism of pressing you down or honor you as equal instead of beneath. You've taken the ball, 
turned it, handed it back to them, and made it their choice. That is neither passive or aggressive, but wise. Oh, uh, Craig, that sounds, it, it's cool, but it sounds like a bit of a stretch. Well, when Jesus did these things, he always gave us a little more. Let's look at the uh, next one. Take your coat, get your shirt, but back in that time, it was cloak and tunic. All right, so when you were going through a uh, uh, town, you would have on three articles. Your outer garment, your inner garment, and your shoes, right? Cloak, tunic, flip-flop, sandals, all right? So if someone comes along who is demanding of you your cloak, whether it be for their need or just because they have the right to take it from you, all right, and they force you, however, to take the cloak, Jesus says, hand to them your tunic also, which good Christians full of faith say, hey, somebody asked something of you, give them a little more. But there was more to it. Listen to me. If someone takes your cloak, don't imagine too much now, and then you hand them your tunic, what happens? You're naked. In the culture of the Old Testament, Noah, go check it out, all the way through this time, being naked was not embarrassing to the naked individual, but to everyone who saw. If you saw someone naked, it was on you. Oh, oh, now we just react like, it. you know, stop, all right? So the only way to stop the social embarrassment is for that person to do what? Give it back. They are no longer the taker. They are now the giver, and you have altered the situation and put them in a position that they must choose. It offers your upstandingness and grace and gives them an opportunity at repentance by follow-through. Brilliant. It's brilliant. And it gets better. A Roman soldier, by law, can stop you at any time, any time, any citizen, any of us, Davidsons, all right, Whitmore's, Gavin's, anybody, they, he could just, I don't want to carry my pack, you carry it, and you are by law not allowed to refuse. They have authority over you, and they used it and they abused it over and over and over again, all right? So here's what Jesus says, if someone demands that you carry their packet one mile, that's in there, one mile, carry it what? Two mile. Why didn't he say 100 yards? Why didn't he say 10 minutes? Why didn't he say an hour? Why use one mile and two miles? Does anybody know? Huh? There's a re it's coming. There's a reason it will do exactly that. It's going to be the same as the other two, but why? Roman law. Roman law said, if a soldier demands of you to carry his packet, you must, but not more than one mile. It was not legal for them to, uh, to force you to carry it farther than one mile. So if you pick up the pack with no explanation, carry it one mile, and then take another step, think about it. You're now walking into the second mile. The person who asked you to do it by their authority now is begging you to stop because the authority above them can come down on them. They now have a choice to make, treat you as an equal by asking for their pack back 
or be reprimanded by the authority behind them and have how they treated others done unto them. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. And it gives us a third option. It gives us a third option. Fill our responses with grace, wisdom, and the same offers that as sinners we receive. But in order for all of that to come through to us from Jesus, we must turn, repent, from our wicked ways and accept the gift. When you choose to treat the aggressor with grace yet wisdom, okay, grace with boundaries, you offer them the opportunity to change. They might not. They might not. Not everybody will get in. Broad is the gate and narrow the way. Broad is the road and narrow the road. Not everybody gets it. You're not going to change them all. But Jesus does not ask you to stay there and keep that's not what's there. Not turning your cheek and abuse of the gospel. Constantly turning your cheek and abuse of the gospel. Turn the other cheek. Why? Because of where it puts your opponent. You have to set them up to be able to respond in a way that is accepting or rejecting. There is a middle road. But once you have made the call, once you have made the statement, it is not on you any longer. Once you made the statement, it's not on you any longer. Craig, I've been praying for my husband. Craig, I've been praying for my child. Craig, I've been praying for my friend Sue. Craig, I've been praying forever. I planted the seed and it's just not growing. Not your problem. Might hurt your heart, but not your problem. I've told you this before, there's never, never, never been a farmer on planet Earth that grew a tomato. It's never happened. They've planted tomatoes, watered tomatoes, they've picked tomatoes, but they never grew tomatoes, ever. God grows. Not your problem. Not within your capacity to make it happen. You can't save no one. You plant, you water, you love, you give sunshine, God saves. And we have to trust him when he chooses not to. Or when they reject it. Not on us. Hurts us, but not on us. Well, Craig, you're just like every other week right now. You, Jesus, whoever you're talking about here is asking the impossible of us. Absolutely. Uh, what, what, do, what do you want me to say? Do you want me to say, no, he's not. You can. No, you can't. Acting like this at Walmart, acting like this at Proud Mary's, acting like this at Marika's, acting like this in the world, it's, well, it's hellish, right? It's, it's, it's a burden. It's awful because it is of this world. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things. This is where we revisit. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not for signs at football games. It's not for prayers before hole-in-ones. It's not for scratch-offs on the lottery. That's not what Jesus means. What he means is, 
I am asking you to do something impossible by your own spirit, but I am offering you my spirit by which all things are possible. You can do this with me, but God. I cannot respond on Facebook, but God. I cannot respond to my spouse, but God. I cannot deal with my child, but God. Well, Craig, that all sounds well and good, but it's still just but God. Do you, do you have any tips? A few. A few. The first one you've heard before. You ready for this? You have to learn. Even in slap situations, you have to learn to respond and not react. A reaction is instant. A response takes pause. That's it. A reaction is instant. A response takes pause. Even if it's quick pause, it takes pause. So how do I learn and what do I use and how do I make my reactions less and my responses more? All right? Number one, you pray. And you prepare. There's an old movie with Steven Seagal in it, and one of the evil guys, it's like uh, Under Siege 2, the evil guy has a phrase, chance favors the prepared mind. The Boy Scouts have a motto, be prepared. Do you know what most of us do? Most of us read our Bible. Most of us try to get some Jesus. Most of us are just trying to put it on our plate and get it eaten like breakfast in the day. But we're not reading, searching, and praying in preparation for these situations. We're not reading, searching, and praying in preparation for how to deal with X, how to deal with Y. Most of us don't do that at any point in our lives. We're not trying to get our bodies healthy to keep us from having... I don't know, pick a thing. I can do this one because it's in my family, diabetes. But we start eating differently and changing things after we figure out that we have diabetes. Well, what if we'd eaten differently before? I don't change until my pooch becomes more poochy than I want my pooch to be. And then I try to depoochify, all right? That is a word, look it up. However, if I had eaten differently prior, I wouldn't be pooched, right? We don't do this in any aspect of our lives. I'm telling you to pray and prepare so that your word is a lamp unto my feet, so that I hide your word in my heart that I might not sin, so that I know morning, noon, and night I seek you and you are always with me, so I study to show myself approved. Prepare intentionally, all right? So prepare intentionally, all right? Pause immediately. Don't react immediately. Pause immediately. If something happens, take a breath. All right? Number three, respond not with grace and no justice and not with justice and no grace. All right? One is legalism, one is license. Respond with justice filled with grace. How do I get there? Prepare, read, study. Okay. If I prepare, if I read, if I study, and if I still don't know what to do, what do I do? Ask. Listen, first service and second service, there are some unbelievably wonderful Christian men and women in this room who've been going to church most of their lives, who make the choices to the best they can to come to church, to tithe, to get their kids in VBS, to do all the things, right? 
but there's one thing that I'd like to say to like 95% of you to your face with the firmness of a father to a child, and that is this. Y'all suck at asking for help. You are prideful, you are afraid, and you just do not want to do it. And you fail because of it. You fail because of it. You fail in your finances because of it. You fail in your parenting because of it. You fail in your Christianity because of it. You fail in your responses and your reactions to the world because of it. We fail in public to live the lives he's called us to be because of it. I don't make many arguments for people who don't come to church. I simply invite them to church. But there are people who, who don't come to church, godly people, godly people, all right, who don't, don't come to church because A, it's inconvenient, B, they've been hurt by the church, or C, they just say, look, I can read the Bible, I can worship, I have nature, I have my life, I have food, I have all of the things that God provided, I'm worshiping. What do I need in church? And it's a really good answer. It's a, it's, I, I don't spend a lot of time with those people, but I do want to tell you something. I believe that community is of the utmost importance. I believe that you were created with a whole, a, everyone on the planet was physically created to be a community of one because we're created in the image of God and he is three in one. I, I don't think anybody can run from it. But I do want to tell you about this little story that ran over the internet about two years ago. I saw it about three times. It's the story of this little old man that had quit coming to church for years. And the pastor finally just was like, you know what, I'm just going to go. He's not a part, he's not doing anything, but people loved him. I'm just going to go see him. Winter day, goes to see him. The guy invites him on in. They're both sitting in a, in a couple of couches or rocking chairs right by the fire, not a lot being said. He just said, I was there to be with him. And they're just rocking, and they're, you know, talking about how pretty the cabinet, what, what, what. Sitting by the fire, being a couple of men together. And so... The pastor finally says, why don't you come to church? And he gives that answer. I'm here. I love Jesus. Don't not love Jesus, but I don't need that. The pastor just kept on rocking. Looked around the cabin, looked at the fire, looked at the man, didn't say a word. And, you know, if you had grandparents with a fireplace, there was always those three metal tools you know what I'm talking about? That we're in that thing right by the, you played with and knocked over and got in trouble because they were like iron. And one of them was a shovel. And one of them was a poker that you didn't want your, your brother or your sister to get hold of. And one of them was a giant pair of scissors. They weren't really scissors. They were like clampy thingies, just like big tongs. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And so, so the pastor never said a word. He just, he, he grabbed the tongs. And he reached over and he grabbed this, this, this burning hot lump of coal. And he moved it about three feet over to the side of the fireplace and put the tongs down and sat back in the chair. And they rocked for a few minutes, and that, that coal over there, the red kind of turned to pink. And then it kind of turned to a darker color, and then it started to turn to gray. And after about five, eight minutes, the pastor picked up the scissor thingies, grabbed the little lump of coal and put it back next to all the other coals. And it went from gray to brown to pink to red to bright orange again. The little old man said, I'll see you Sunday, and the pastor left. I don't care what 
Whitney Houston said about the greatest love of all being learning to love yourself. It feels good. But until you learn to love others and you allow others to love you, you got pals, you got acquaintances, you might even have some friends, but you do not have community. We all need somebody to lean on. We really, really do. Pray, prepare, pause, and then if you still don't know how to answer, ask someone who might know. People ask me all the time, well, why don't why doesn't so and so ask for help? Why don't people ask for help? You all ask me the question you should be asking yourselves all the time. You know why people don't ask for help? Because you don't. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So yes, have some grace. And don't fight back. Don't allow yourself to be pummeled. Have some grace. Carry that backpack. Carry it two miles if you want. Just realize what position that's going to put them in. I am all about sending that text typing that Facebook post. I don't do it on Facebook because of the public access, but when I'm dealing with people, I'm all about saying just enough stuff to make it balls in your court. You have a choice now. Be mean again or show some forgiveness. Balls in your court. We got to learn that way. That's Jesus' way. Let's pray. God, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for the insight of Rob and a few other people who wrote articles and read articles and said things. I'm thankful that they, they pulled that off and were able to teach someone who taught someone else, who taught me. And, and I'm thankful that you allowed me to teach them. Now, God, we got a long road to hoe as we learn how to react and respond accordingly, as we learn how to turn the other cheek, as we learn how to give, as we learn how to teach the world to fish. I'm thankful for NBC and everybody in this room. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.